thank you for welcoming us into your family. And we thank you, God, that you're a God of love, a God of mercy, a God of kindness. And we receive that today. Everything, everything that you, that we need, you have for us. And we receive it right now. We receive your joy. We receive your peace. We receive your healing, God. Most of all, we receive your love because you welcome us into your family. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And we just worship you. You are the most powerful, but the most loving. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You are love. And we receive that love today, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. This atmosphere is just like heaven. What heaven is going to be like only intensified. It's just an atmosphere of peace. It's an atmosphere of love. And that God that has heaven, that made heaven for us, he's not rejecting any of one of us. Anybody who comes to him will find mercy, will find forgiveness, will find goodness, will find the answers they need. Anyone, anyone, he is not partial. He loves everyone the same. And if you have a need, he's willing. And I'm so grateful for this atmosphere of heaven. This is, this is what we're going to live in for eternity, only intensified. <laughs> so aren't you grateful? Amen. God is so good. Praise God. Well, thank you. I'm glad. It's a family. I just want to say that. God is a family man. And a lot of times religion, religion is harsh. And you can't live up to all of the laws, regulations, rules that religion puts on us. But I just want you to know that that's not God. If you're feeling condemned, if you're feeling all that condemnation, God is not the one condemning you because he laid down his son, his best gift for us. And his son died for us. So receive his love today. Receive his love during the week. And uh, praise God. I'm glad you're here to join us. So greet your neighbor. And then we're going to go on with the rest of this service. Good morning, everybody. It's good to have you all here. You're a good-looking group of people. I was going to say bunch, and I said group and bunch together. Amen. It's so glad to have you all here. I just got, I know it's a little bit cooler outside today, but I got some good news for you. I want to tell you this. Next Sunday, it's supposed to be 50 degrees. (laughs) Am I ready for that or what? Amen. So excited. Praise God. Well, there's so many things happening with all of you people. I can't uh, remember to say it all, but I know we got Carter back there and his lovely new wife, Phyllis. They got married. It's good to have them here. Oh, and Peggy and Kevin here. Yeah. I, uh, I know there's been a couple people that have had babies, and I can't keep them track, track them all, but it's all... It's great. Oh, yeah, there's the the bakers. They've had a new one, right? God bless you guys. 
And Garrett over here, his wife is ready, is going to have one. That's their, that's their first. Usually when you've had a few, you just kind of, it's not that big of a deal. You're just kind of pushing them out. But the first one is always a little bit like, wow, you got it in you. Way to go, you know. But uh, I want to receive the offering. So if the ushers could please help me. If you're giving cash, you would like a receipt. One of these ushers will give you an offering envelope. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to Destiny Church. Thank you for being so faithful in your giving and uh, we uh, have not lacked for anything, and I just really appreciate all of your giving. You know, we got a lot of things that we're doing, and um, so it actually uh, really means a lot that, that you've been faithful, and we appreciate that. So let's just take our offer in our hand. Let's pray over it. Lord, thank you that we can give. <clears throat> we, we just give so that we can be a blessing, Lord. You've blessed us so much, and we just give so we can be a blessing. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people, Lord, that they are tremendous people. We just thank you for that. Pray that you bless this offering now in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, men. Pass the offering buckets. I just have a couple announcements. This Thursday night, we're going to have a worship night. Uh, It's 630 right here at church. So we want to just, um, you know, this is not like a regular service. So if you come and you're expecting a regular service, it's more of a we spend a lot of time worshiping God, a uh, little exhortation here and there, but, but mostly worship. And so we do some praying. So that's this Thursday night at 6.30. So this Thursday night, I think it's, the, is it the 4th, this Thursday? Is it the 4th? Thursday night, 6.30, right here. I've made announcements before, and they said, what time is it? 6.30. Six ter- tell your neighbor, 6.30. Right here in this building, right here, 630. And you're welcome to come. But just remember that it's not, it's not like a regular service. It's a, it's a worship night. And then also, um, I think it's March 18th. The ladies will be having a service here at church. So it's March 18th. So that's a few Thursdays away at 630 right here at Destiny Church. Amen. Praise God. Well, you guys ready to receive the word this morning? Well, I'm ready to give it to you. So I titled this message, uh, Thoughts Have a Destination. I've been talking to you about thoughts. Thoughts have a destination. And I don't know if you ever thought about that or not. And, and I've been kind of talking the last couple of weeks about just thoughts in general and how important the way that we think are. But today, I want to talk about the destination that thoughts bring us to, especially just one destination, especially. I want to talk about depression. I said to my wife, she said to me, what are you going to talk about? I said, depression. She goes, are you going to talk about how to get depressed? Yeah, I said, I'm going to talk about how to get depressed, how to stay depressed, how to always be depressed, and how to enjoy it. No, I'm just kidding. But, I mean, I joke about it, but actually depression is a really a serious, is really a serious situation. And it can lead to some permanent harm in a person's life. And so... It's not, I make a little, and I might use a little levity, but please don't uh, misunderstand that, it's, that I'm, it's not that I don't think it's serious. It is serious. But if you are struggling with it, and I've, I've been surprised at times, you know, I've met people, I've talked to people, and, uh, you know, I, I was surprised when they shared with me that they struggled with depression. I go, you? I mean, I was so shocked by it. Because I didn't think that, you know, they seemed like they had their life together. They're a good Christian, um, you know, have a good family, whatever. And they, they struggled with depression. And so I'm, 
I'm kind of surprised how many people struggle with it, to be honest with you. But then one day I was thinking about this subject and I, I thought about Elijah in the Bible. And, uh, you know, here is a man that was greatly used of God and he is like a text. He had a situation in his life was a textbook uh, depression situation. So I thought, well, if Elijah could struggle with it, anybody could struggle with it. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. But I do want to back up a little bit here and just kind of introduce the subject to you. In Romans chapter 12, this has been our text. It says, and I want to read 2 and 3. It says, don't conform to this pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every person the measure of faith. I just read that a little differently out of the, read the King James, I knew it by memory, but anyways, uh, but the words, but here's what I said last week, the words conform, transform, and renew, conform, transform, and renew are all, are all process words. You know, I wish that we could go instantaneously from one state to another just like, boom, like that. But they're process words. Do you understand what I mean when I say process words? It means that there is a process involved in it. Jesus said you'll, to his disciples or to his, the believers, he said, if you continue in my word, that's another process word. If you continue in my word, you my disciples indeed, you'll know the truth. Progressively, you'll know truth. Truth will make you free. And so we have to embrace the process. In fact, what happens here is you're either being transformed by the renewing of your mind or you're conforming. It's one of those two things. You can't just say, well, I'm not in neither camp. No, no, you are in one of them. You're either thinking God's thoughts and based on those thoughts, the Holy Spirit is transforming your life or you're thinking the thoughts of this world, negative thoughts, uh, despair, hopelessness, those type of thoughts. You're thinking those thoughts and you're conforming to the spirit of this age. You know, I was so shocked when I read some of the statistics about depression in America. They say that one, this is before the pandemic. They say one out of six Americans are on some kind of antidepressant. One out of six. I thought that was a lot. And then they talked about, you know, suicide and different things that that, that leads to. And, and I'm just praying that nobody here has allowed themselves to go down that road. But uh, it's the good news is that you can arrest, you can be arrested from that situation. So right now in this in this moment today, you are either being transformed because you are thinking the thoughts of God. And we have scriptures here that are God's thoughts. And so we don't have to say, well, what are God's thoughts? We have scripture that show us what God's thoughts are. And so we you're either thinking God's thoughts and God is using those those scriptures to transform your life. Transformation is a work of the Holy Spirit, but there's a God side and a man side. Your side is receiving scripture into your life, meditating on it, and God's part is to transform you. So your part is to put the word of God in you. The Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I love our songs, many of our songs, because they're scriptures. They have scriptures in them. I love scripture songs. You know, when I first got saved, it seems like they were trying to do the whole book of Psalms in songs. 
You know, I mean, every time we sang a song, it seemed like we'd go to someplace, start singing a song, and then we'd go find out that, that I'm spitting today. I don't know why. Excuse me for spitting. This must be so excited. But anyways, just don't get in the splash zone here. Just stay away from the splash. But, um, but, but I was surprised to find out that all these, all of these psalms that we were singing, these little choruses that we were singing, they were psalms. We're putting psalms or the word of God into songs and we're singing them. And that's a powerful thing. But when you put the word of God in you, you're meditating on scripture, taking time every day, even if it's just 15 minutes every day to put the word of God in you, what happens, the Holy Spirit uses that to transform you. Because what, what's happening to our society is we, I mean, the, the technological um, advances that we have made in our culture today has caused us to get information like we get it from everywhere. We have 24 hour, not just one news service, but we have several 20. You can't go hardly anywhere without seeing a a TV's on and the news is on. And they're constantly just it's like we're under a certain voice. It's, It's a voice of pessimism. It's especially lately. It's been a voice of fear, anxiety. We live under that voice and it causes us to do crazy things. You'll see this in the life of of Elijah when he received the threat of of Jezebel. He came under that voice. He started doing crazy things. We'll see that in a minute here. And so it's very important how we think. In Romans chapter 8, I didn't write this verse down, but it says uh, that the sinful nature... The thoughts of, that come from the sinful nature leads to death. That's, what I'm, that's my, where I got my subject or my title. Thoughts have a destination. Thoughts that come from the sinful nature, the spirit of this age, leads to death. It always leads to something. Have you ever talked to somebody and say, where are you going with this? Look at your neighbor and say, where are you going with this? Some of you aren't going to turn to your neighbor no matter what, are you? Just, you're not, you're, you, you refuse. But, but isn't that true? I mean, thoughts don't like... They're not a dead end. Well, they are. Some thoughts are a dead end. But I mean, what I'm trying to say is that generally they lead to something. Generally, the thoughts take you somewhere. They take you to a destination. Take, they take you to a good place. He says here, the thoughts that come from the carnal nature lead to death. That's one place, not necessarily physical death, but death to your relationships, death to your relationship with God, death to spiritual things. It leads to something. Boy, I'm preaching good this morning. Leads to something. But then he says, but the the thoughts that come from the Spirit of God leads to life and peace. I don't know about you, but if I'm taking death or life and peace, I want life and peace. Every single time. So I have to be able to receive the thoughts of God so that it will lead me to something. Because thoughts have a destination. Thoughts have a destination. And so we are, all of us are in a transition We are in a transition. We're either being transformed or we are conforming. Make no mistake about it. You're either transforming or you're being conformed. And so the spirit of this age has many characteristics. And one of the characteristics of the spirit of this age is depression. Is depression. And it's become more common over this last year because of the pandemic, which has created fear, has created uncertainty, has created anxiety, has created isolation in people. Those are all characteristics of, that go along with depression. The Bible says in Proverbs says that anxious thoughts in the heart of a man weigh it down. So when people are filled with anxiety, they have this 
heaviness that comes over them. And it's, it's something that we have to address. Now, let me just say this to you. I'm not a, a clinical expert on depression. I mean, I have read some books by people that are experts, but I'm not one personally. And I'm not going to be able to, it's a pretty, it's a pretty serious and a, a big subject. And I'm not going to be able to discuss the whole thing with you today. But I do want to take a swipe at it and, and give you some, uh, some uh, conditions for it. And then also to give you a way out by looking at the life of Elijah, show you a way out of it. How many want to get out of it? And so there are degrees of depression and there are words that are associated with depression. Words like despair, despair, despondency, hopelessness, feelings of dread or loneliness. Those are words that go with the idea of depression. And and really, if you are struggling with it, don't don't just struggle in silence, because a lot of times people think, well, I'm the only one. Have you ever felt that way? I'm the only one. There's nobody else. I was surprised sometimes you go, when you open up to somebody, they go, you too? They go, they're surprised. You're, you? Yeah, yeah, me. I mean, every, 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 uh, every Monday I quit. <laughs> sometimes I don't even wait till Monday. I quit Sunday night. I go, I quit. You know how many times I've, I've had the thought, I quit. You can't believe how many times I've had that thought. If I had a dollar for every time I, I thought or said, I, said to myself, I quit, I could take my wife out to a fancy restaurant. <laughs> no, I could, I, could buy the, I could buy the world with a fence around it. I'm not kidding you. And so it's not something that is an isolated, pers- isolated thing or just a few people. It's a very serious thing. Now, here's what's interesting, because when you talk to people about depression, sometimes people talk about it like, well, you know, there's an imbalance in the body and and so it's chemical and, and different things like that. Like I said, I'm not an expert, but I, do, I did read one time after a lady who ha- has a doctorate in, uh, in your brain. She studied the brain for years, decades, and helped a lot of people. But she says that the mind controls the brain. This is Dr. Carolyn Leaf, by the way. She's a scientist, brain scientist. I didn't know there was such a thing. But <clears throat> she says the mind, which is part of your immortal soul, controls the brain, and the brain controls the body. Amen. And so she said, now this is what she said. She said chemical imbalance in the body is brought on by thoughts. Now, it's not that the the, the symptom in the body is not real. It's very real. But she said it's brought on by thoughts, and it can be cured by thoughts. In fact, she says she's had success with people who have serious brain injury, she's had success in healing serious brain injury where medical science said that it could never be healed. She's had success healing serious brain injuries. And so this is, is kind of a big thing. It's kind of a big deal, your thoughts. Just trying to say that. So here's the definition of depression. Depression is a mood disorder. It's a mood disorder characterized by, then it's a big word, anhendia which means inability to feel. I know none of you understood what that word was. Because we don't use that every day, do we? Ahendia. Yeah, give me some ahendia over there, you know. I got some ahendia over here, Trish, you know. (laughs) How is that going to (laughs) help? But here's what it means. I'll tell you what it means. Now, that's even better. 
It means the inability to feel pleasure. The inability to feel pleasure. So depression is a mood disorder characterized by the inability to feel pleasure, extreme sadness, poor concentration, sleep problems, loss of appetite, feelings of guilt, helplessness, and hopelessness. That's what depression, that's, that's the definition that the dictionary gives of depression. And see, I was reading after this guy and he said, that our culture is set up for depression. Because he said, we are not made, designed by God to live sediment lifestyles. And with all of our technology and all of our uh, social, uh, you know, electronic social interaction, we don't have a lot of, we don't do a lot of physical labor. And we don't do a lot of one-to-one socializing. It's all kind of secondhand. It's kind of like we know a lot about people, but we don't know people. Amen. And so and, and, and so and then there's a sediment of your lifestyle. A lot of times we'll just sit in front of a, a computer screen or we'll sit in front of a TV and there's a lot of sediment. I remember one time I was talking to a guy and he, he was telling me that the doctor told him because he was struggling with some depression. He, and, and he said the doctor told him to take a walk, an hour walk every day. He said, slowly it got better. His depression got better just by being out in the sunlight. You know, years, years ago, a bunch of us went up to, to the Arctic Circle. It's Cambridge, Cambridge Bay, the Arctic Circle, no trees. We left the tree line about 300 miles back. We ended up at the Arctic Circle preaching to a little, well, it wasn't that little. It was an Inuit, an Inuit colony uh, we, we used to call them Eskimos, but they don't like to be called Eskimos. You've got to stay up to date on what they want to be called nowadays. You know? I think us Norwegians should change our name. I don't want to be called a Norwegian anymore. I want to be called Norski or something. Yeah, it offends me that you call me a Nor- you know, or whatever. You know, we could get upset about it. But anyways, they, they like to be called Inuit. Beautiful people. But I asked them one time, and they, you know, it's, it's interesting. You walk around the, around the village... And every yard has about five dead caribou sitting in the front, frozen solid. And so they just, when they want some meat, they just bring another caribou in the, in the house and thaw it out, skin it, butcher it up, and they eat it. That's kind of how it goes, you know. So it's a pretty interesting place. But because that they have darkness in the wintertime, they have darkness 24 hours a day. That the number one thing they struggle with is depression. And, and which basically leads to alcoholism, because if you are depressed, what you'll you feel pain. Depression is a very painful state to be in. And if you feel pain, what you do is you self-medicate. You try to either eat yourself into oblivion, drink yourself, take drugs, do something to medicate or just sit and vegetate in front of the TV for hours. That is a sign that you're depressed. And that's actually kind of the worst thing that you could do for yourself. You should go out there and, and, uh, and, and take a knife and go out there and kill something. Not, not a person, but a <laughs> wild animal, you know. <laughs> I had somebody ask me one time, why do you like honey? I go, there's just something about it. You should kill this thing. You rip their hide off. The blood everywhere, guts everywhere. It's just something about it. It's so exciting. Someone goes, well, I think that's terrible. We should all be vegetarians. God killed the first animal to clothe Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. 
So there. <laughs> so I'm just like my father. I'm a great hunter. Amen? But I, yeah, whatever. So I was good anyway. Oh, yeah, but I was reading after this guy, and he was talking about that we're not set up. I mean, this is what he, this is a quote. Now, I'm not, these aren't my words. He said, we were never designed for a sedimentary lifestyle where we end up indoor all day, all indoors all day, socially isolated, fast. He even brought up fast food laden. I mean, come on. When I read that, I, that made me mad. I mean, come on, think about McDonald's. Come on, all of you, I know you guys don't act like you never eat at McDonald's, but is McDonald's French fries the most amazing thing on planet Earth? I mean, if you bring up McDonald's, everybody will go, well, I would never, ever eat there. It's like their body is some kind of a thing or whatever, you know. Right? How many here have ever eaten at McDonald's? I mean, come on. We know people are eating there. They say like 10 billion people served every year or something like that. Somebody, how many know that somebody's eating there? But, you know, I remember one time I was in, I was in Japan preaching. And it, it was a terrible situation. I'll get to depression. This goes along with depression. But anyway, so, so I, I, uh, I had this interpreter. I was going to this church, had this interpreter. And we rolled the train together. And I thought, well, she was from China. And I thought, well, I better... I better tell her my sermon because sometimes, you know, interpretation gets a little bumpy, you know. And so I'm telling her that my sermon, kind of giving her the high points. And, um, and then she says to me, she goes, well, uh, Japanese is not my first language. Chinese is. My second language is English. My third language is Japanese. I'm looking at her. I'm going, oh, no. And so I get in front of this church and I go, well, we are so excited to be here today. I said that. She tapped my arm. She goes, what does Sai mean? I said, you don't know what excited means? Ugh. And that's how the sermon went. It was ugly. It was, I mean, people in the audience were helping her interpret. It was ugly. It was an ugly scene. And then I'd lose my thought. I couldn't remember what I was talking about. You know, I was like, this is ugly. So you know what I did afterwards? I went straight to McDonald's. I'm not joking. And I got two orders of French fries. And I go, I'm going to do this for me. <laughs> My soul is in pain and I'm going to self-medicate French fries with ketchup and salt. How'd you feel afterwards? Horrible. But I was so glad that I forgot what I was saying now. OK, so, oh, yeah, I was going through this list. So I, I know this is I'm, I'm getting you to laugh, but I, and I know this is a serious subject. Please don't don't think that because I'm getting you to laugh that I'm not taking this serious. doesn't sound like it, but anyways. So we're, he said we were not designed for the type of lifestyle that technology has put us in. He said the frenzy pace of the modern life. Depression is largely, this is what he said now. He's supposed to be an expert. He said depression is largely a lifestyle-related condition. Lifestyle-related condition. In other words, it's the way that we live. So then he went through a bunch of things here, and I better hurry up, but he went through a bunch of things, and he just kind of talked about each one of these things, like cell phones and social media frenzy, where we know a lot about people, but we don't know people. We have information with no intimacy. He said that we compare our mundane, everyday life, living with somebody else's, you know, like a highlight reel, and, and that comparison drives people crazy. I mean... You know, you try to put pictures on, 
on Facebook. I'm in, you know, I'm in Florida on the beach. And where are you? In a blizzard somewhere back at home. And it's 20 below and there's a 50 mile hour wind and you're, and you go, Ooh, you know, it's almost, it's like, nah, 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 nah. You know, that's what it's like. You know, nobody likes that. You just want to say, shut up. <laughs> I saw this funny postcard. Did you ever feel that way or is it just me? I remember I, there's this one family that we're, that's on Facebook. I'm not really on Facebook. I, I, um, I hack my wife's Facebook once in a while, look. But, but um, my, is that the wrong word? Okay. So anyways, because sometimes I say the wrong word. They say, that's not the right word. It's not, I'm not very techie. But anyways, so but, um, this is one family. They're always somewhere. At least not the last year they haven't been, but they're always somewhere. And every time I look, I go, uh, you know, we're in their French Riviera. Where are you? You know, I'm fighting mosquitoes or fighting a blizzard or something. You know, that, that's how you think. But. So, um, so here he just mentioned some of the characteristics of our culture. You know, the, the, the techie. Then he said the lack of identity, which, you know, how many know that we are the most confused society that has ever lived? Sexual confusion, gender confusion, role confusion. In people with sexual confusion, depression goes up 200%. Another thing is the inability to process pain, which ends up in binge eating, drinking drugs, medicating ourselves. Then there's peer-to-peer mentoring. How many know that if you need help, you need to talk to somebody, you need to talk to somebody who's out of the mess that you're in. It's like you're both in a ditch. You don't go, what do you think? Obviously, he's not the right person to ask. I remember one time, years ago, I was going to, I was going to, I thought, I need to lose some weight. And so I was talking to this guy who's a preacher brought in, this is years and years. And he was about 100 pounds overweight. And he was telling me, giving me, he was giving me, he was giving me dieting advice. And I'm looking at him, finally I go, wait a second. Why am I talking to you? It's like you're in the ditch, man. I'm not talking to you. You don't need to, you're not going to learn anything from him, right? Don't feel bad when I said that. Someone goes, I wasn't depressed when I came, but now I am now. Inability, peer-to-peer mentoring, asking our peers for counsel. He went on to say, this, I'm, this, this is a quote, I'm quoting somebody here. Narcissistic culture, a selfie generation. Have you ever seen how many people die from trying to take a selfie? I mean, it's sad. It really is. They want to get close to a cliff and take a, so they want everybody to go, woo. And so they end up falling off the cliff. I mean, it's sad. It really is. But I just saw this one lady. She was going to do a 60-foot jump off a bridge. And she ended up breaking ribs and uh, puncturing a lung and all kinds of stuff. Why? Selfie. Man, come on. I mean, we're not going to, let me just tell you this right now. If you jump off a 60-foot bridge into a river, I'm not going to be that impressed. I'm going to say, good stinking for you. You know, that's what I'm going to say. Oh, don't say, my wife's yelling at me now. But I'm not going to be that impressed. Are you going to be? I mean, just like, oh, that's nice. What a dumb thing to do. I always want to bungee jump, but then I started thinking about it. I mean, you probably, my, my daughter bungee jumped once. And my son did too. Over, they always did it in foreign countries. Would you go, foreign countries, do they have the same strict, 
you know, guidelines that we have here in America. You know, it's like some uh, person, I was going to say another word, but some person goes, oh, it still seems like it's holding, you know. <laughs> but then I started thinking about that jumping, just going, yeah, please, you know. I know, I, I sometimes, I got to get back to my subject here, but I, I go on roller coasters, and the whole time I'm going, did somebody check the rivets on this thing? Do you guys ever think that? Did anybody check the bolts? I mean, are they coming loose? Or I, I think that way sometimes. But anyways, and so, uh, and so the suicide solution is the number one killer of kids, 14 to 24. It's twice the murder rate. And so th- that's a serious situation that we're in. And, uh, you know, I want to look at the story of Elijah. Can you guys take a little bit more? How am I doing for time? Good. Okay, so, uh, so depressing thoughts, depressing thoughts always have a destination. And so we have, to, we have to learn to address them. We can't let them can take us to a destination. You know, I heard this, this thought about humility, which I think is a really good thought. You should write this down. I didn't make this up, but humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And you'll see that most of the time that people that are depressed, they're very self-orientated. They're very self-centered, very self, I don't want to say self-centered, but self-focused. And so uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, taking the attention uh, and because most people feel, have struggled with feeling valued. Isn't that true? And so they search for value in, in their interconnections with people. And how people relate to them can make them feel valued or feel worthless. Or they start, like I said, the selfie, the, the, the uh, Facebook, all that stuff. We start comparing ourselves to other people. How far we've gotten and and how far they, they've gotten, and what they seem like, and, and how they got, seem like they got it together. And we compare that with where we're at, and we can end up depressed. How I many of that comparison is a very bad thing? So feeling worthless or struggling with low self-worth is a real problem. Because anything that doesn't have value, anything that doesn't have value, we throw away. And that includes our own life. You, know, you go through your house, and, and I don't know if you ever do this, but I, I got junk in my, my shop. I, I need somebody to come over and help me. I don't even know what this is or where it goes. I don't know what it is. It's a thingamajig. <laughs> and so I don't know if I should throw it away because I don't know if it has value. And so if you come to the conclusion that your life, that you have no value, you're going to throw your life away. And that is a depressing thought to think I have no value. I have no worth. How many know that's true? And, and so we have to be careful about comparing ourselves to other people. Because God made us unique. He didn't make us to be somebody else. He made us unique. He gave us certain special gifts, special talents, special abilities. And he wants us to use them. And, and one of the worst things about life is if our life is undefined. Undefined. I, I think that's one of the worst things about life is have it undefined where I can't see clearly. I don't know what I sh- should do. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I am. I can't see clearly. That's one of the most depressing things. So I just pray God gives you a clarity about who you are, what he made you to be. Because I heard a guy say, I'm just trying to find myself. You can never find yourself until you find him first. 
because he is the creator. He is the designer. He was the one that created you. He designed you for a purpose. So I'm kind of wondering if I should go into this or not. Should I just go into this? Can you guys take it? I'll, I'll talk like a machine gun. Talk fast. So I want to look at depression in the life. This is my main sermon, this part right here. I was looking at the life of Elijah, depression in the life of Elijah. And if you know anything about Elijah, he was a prophet to Israel. Israel and Judah were separate at this time. And Israel consisted of 10, king, 10 tribes, which made up the northern kingdom. Judah, two tribes, which made up the southern kingdom. Uh, Israel was by far in the worst spiritual state. It was terrible. In fact, it went into captivity by the Assyrians 120 years before Judah did. So Judah lasted 120 years longer than Israel did. Judah was conquered by the Babylonians. Israel was conquered by the Assyrians. That's one reason why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Because the biggest threat to his country was Nineveh, the Assyrian. That's the capital of Assyria. And he didn't want, he didn't want them to repent. And he wanted God to destroy them. That's why he ran away. But, but they were the biggest threat. Israel was so backslidden. Now think about this. Israel was so backslidden that they actually debated the question, who is God, Baal or Jehovah? Now here's what's interesting. They're, so that's how backslidden they are. They don't even have the basics down. right? They don't even have who is God down. They don't, they, is Baal God or is God God, Jehovah God? They don't even have that answered. Now here's the funny thing about it. Elijah's name. His, Elijah's name is Jehovah is God. So like you're, you're debating this question in your face. Here's the answer. My name is the very thing that you're debating. And most of the nation concluded that Baal was God. And that was because of Ahab, who was a weak king. And he was married to a wicked queen by the name of Jezebel, who was a Baal worshiper and who fed and supported the prophets of Baal. And so Elijah, when he appears on the scene, he confronts Ahab and he says to Ahab, there's not going to be any rain except by my word. And so for three and a half years, there's no rain. Can you imagine? And I've been to Israel. Israel is a very desert kind of a climate and have no rain for three and a half years. I tell you, that would make it horrible. And animals were dying. People were starving. It was a horrible situation. And, every, and Ahab blamed Elijah, because Elijah said, no rain except by my word. Then he left and he was sustained supernaturally for three and a half years. First, a ravens fed him and then a widow woman fed him. After three and a half years, all of a sudden he appears and he says, we're going to have a showdown. I want all Israel to come out to Mount Carmel. We're going to have a showdown. We're going to answer the question once and for all, who is God, Baal or Jehovah? And so they get there and the prophets of Baal are 450, and then there's 400 prophets of Asheron, Asheran, or whatever. And so they have this big thing where they build these altars, and they put this sacrifice on it, and the God that answers by fire, he's God. And so first the Baal worshipers, they start, and they're crying out to Baal, oh, Baal, come and consume the sacrifice. Oh, come on. And then it, nothing's happening, so then they start cutting themselves. They start dancing around the altars. Some are passing out because, and then Elijah starts mocking them. They go, if Baal's a God, where is he? If Baal's God, where is he? 
Maybe he's out for a walk or maybe he's on a vacation or maybe he's asleep. Yell louder. He keeps he's mocking these. Then he says, maybe Baal's uh, relieving himself. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. So, I mean, he's just having this great time. And they do that all day long. At three o'clock in the afternoon, Elijah builds the altar of God, puts a sacrifice on it, dumps precious water on it, says, God, you are the God of these people. Show them that you are God. All of a sudden, this fire comes out of heaven, consumes the sacrifice, and everybody starts, because he asked them, why do you halter between two opinions if God is God? And it said the people said nothing. And as soon as the sacrifice was consumed by fire, all the people said, Jehovah, he is God. Jehovah, he is God. And so this incredible thing happened where they killed all the prophets of Baal, eight, and all the prophets of Asheron, they killed them all, 850. I mean, what a victory. And then Elijah goes up on the Mount Carmel and he starts to pray for rain. He prays seven times. He sees a, a cloud as a man's hand. He runs and tells Ahab, tell him we got rain. And so all of a sudden they start running toward Jezreel. And by the time they get to Jezreel, it's pouring rain. Three and a half years, no rain. Elijah prays three and a half years later. Or he prays and rain starts falling. It's amazing. This is like, it could not get any better than this. This is amazing. And I mean, Elijah is like, he is crawling up and down. He is like a whatever chicken. I mean, he is like, whoa, you know, he, this is awesome. And then Jezebel hears about it. And Jezebel sends Elijah a message and says, if you're still alive by this time tomorrow, let, let me die. In other words, I'm going to kill you. And all of a sudden, Elijah goes, uh-oh. And he goes from this incredible high. And he starts running for his life. you got to understand that right now he is under the voice of Jezebel. And it causes him to run for his life. And he goes, now he's a prophet to Israel, but he goes to Judah, to Bathsheba, and he leaves his servant there. Now he has another characteristics of depression is isolation. The worst thing you can do if you are, are having feelings of depression is to be isolated. That's the worst thing you can do. You need to be around people. You go, I'm not a people person. Do not isolate yourself. And when I say be around people, I don't just mean cash. I don't just mean superficially. I mean, you need to connect with people you know, uh, we sometimes think that God does a tremendous work in big meetings. God does a tremendous work in small meetings. Jesus preached to the multitudes, but he spent most of his time with the 12. You need to, have, you need to be, a, be able to connect heart to heart with people that you can be honest and transparent with. Because sometimes it's easy to come in here and go, praise the Lord. You know, it's like, almost like one of those dolls they used to have where they pulled out a string. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know what I mean? Okay, what's really going on in your life? Everything's fine. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. No, what's really going on? Hey, pray. Get that. You know, you know. So you should call me tomorrow and say, I hear every Monday you quit. Don't quit, Steve. <laughs> that depends on how this sermon ends up. If it doesn't end up very good, maybe you should say, Steve, maybe you should look for something else. 68 years old, been doing this for since you were 17. Maybe you should quit. You know, I don't know. 
So he separates himself. These are, character, uh, these are things that depressed people do. They isolate themselves. And he, he's gone. And like I said, I mean, he's had this incredible victory. And now he is in this incredible funk. I mean, it's, it's, it's bad. And so he leaves his servant there and, he, and, and then the, he finds, goes out into the wilderness, finds a broom tree and climbs underneath it and goes, I just want to die. How did, now he's suicidal. I, mean, I think if he really wanted to die, he could just stay in Jezreel and, and he, uh, Jezebel would have taken care of him. But, but he's just so discouraged that he just wants to die. You, know, you can have so much pain in your life that you want to die. That's a terrible thing. And suicide is a, is a permanent condition to a temporal problem. People don't commit suicide because they want to end their life. They want to end their pain. I can't take the pain anymore. They, they want to live, but I can't live like this. How many know what I mean? I just feel God on that. And I want you to know that, that God has an answer for you. God has help for you. Amen. And so he's out in the wilderness. And this is, I, I just thought to myself, he's, he's, he's doing everything wrong. I mean, Elijah, you are doing everything wrong. But even in the midst of that, an angel comes. And this is where we get angel food cake. <laughs> With a jar of water. And gives him an angel food cake. And fed him twice, and then he goes to the mountain of God, and he climbs into a cave. Now here's where, here's where depression will always lead you. It will always lead you to a cave, not a tunnel, a cave. A cave is a dead end. A cave, a cave is not a pleasant place. A caves, caves are awful places. They're dark, dingy, and crazy creatures live there. And this is where he finds himself in a cave. And that's what will happen always with depressing thoughts. It'll always bring you to a point where, where there is no way out. That's why people end up suicide. Because they don't see a way out. I am trapped. I cannot see a positive way out of this situation. But there is. That's the sad thing about it. There is a way out. There is a way out. There is victory. There is hope. There is life for you. Forgive me for spitting. I'm going to have to have this whole area sanitized when I'm done. <laughs> there is a way out for you. Don't ever t think those thoughts. But, and so God comes to Elijah and says, you know, what I thought it was so interesting. God says to Elijah, what are you doing here? <laughs> Elijah goes, he goes through this whole litany of, of you know, he, basically what he says is, I'm a failure. See, his, his ministry is to turn Israel back to God. And as far as he can tell, they haven't, because they want to kill him. Well, at least Jezebel did. But they didn't come to his aid, they didn't come to his rescue. And, they, and so he feels like a total failure. So he basically says to God, I am a total failure. My life. I am a total failure. And, and God doesn't say anything. And then God says to him in the cave, he says, I'm going to come. I'm going to come to you. 
And so all of a sudden there's, there's four ways in which God comes. The first is wind. It's like that singing group, Earth, Wind, and Fire. How many have heard of that singing group, Earth, Wind, and Fire? So you've got to be my age to have heard of it. It used to be a popular Earth, Wind, and Fire. So he first comes, I'm sorry about that. It first comes with the wind. But it says, but, but God's not in the wind. In other words, he didn't find God in the wind. The second is he comes with an earthquake. But it says he didn't find God in the earthquake. The third thing, he came in fire. God came with fire, but he didn't find God in the fire. Now, those are all spectacular. See, you can be around spectacular, but it can't, it doesn't necessarily, it's going to penetrate you. All of a sudden, he hears this still small voice. He covers his face with his robe and he leaves the cave. When I read that in the scripture, I said, Woo, something's happening! Something's happening! I'm going to get excited here, yeah. Something's happening! I'm going to get excited. Something's happening. It says he hears. In other words, he hears this still small voice. He hears the voice of God. The voice of God begins to penetrate his darkness. And it starts to draw him out of the cave. It says he leaves the back of the cave and he goes to the mouth of the cave. You know what God says? God says, he didn't say, I validate your feelings. Pool, 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 it's going to be okay. Which I'm not saying people don't need that, but he goes, what are you doing here? I wish I could, I wish I could hear how God said that. Yeah. Don't you? I mean, you could say it like this. What are you doing here? Or you could say, what the heck? Are you thought I was going to say a bad word. <laughs> what, what the heck are you doing here? I mean, voice inflections, everything. Why are you here? What are you doing here? But I want you to see that the voice of God was the first thing that drew him out of the cave. And he goes through this whole litany. God, same thing. He's stuck. You know, he's like, you ever heard people that are stuck? They're stuck in the same thing. You know, it's just like, you know, come on, get it, get out of this. And all of a sudden he hears the voice of God. And you know what God says? God says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to retrace your steps. Then I want you to go here. I want you to do this. I want you to go here. I want you to do this. I want you to go here. I want you to do this. How many know that if you asked Elijah, how do you feel right now? I bet you he wouldn't say, yeah, I feel like doing all that. (laughs) My wife was telling me about this lady. I'm almost done here. You guys doing okay? I know I should have quit 15 minutes ago, but can you just take a little bit more? My wife was telling me about this lady, and um, she, she wanted to be a singer. She, in fact, she, I think she came from a singing family, and she was very, her family was famous, and she moved to Nashville, and she wanted to make the big thing, and she had some momentary success, and, but then just sort of fizzled out, and she became so discouraged. And then she just kind of descended into depression, where she was depressed, so depressed. And she just, I mean, I don't know if she was suicidal, but she was really depressed. And she's asked, crying out to the Lord. And, and all of a sudden, somebody said to her, hey, uh, I feed homeless people. I feed homeless people every day. Would you like to help? She goes, well, I don't know. 
She goes, well, can you cook? She goes, well, I can cook. Well, come on and cook them some soup. And so she went there and she goes, long story short, but it totally revolutionized her life. Because, you know, she was sitting in a room thinking about her life and how disappointed she was and how her singing career never took off. You know, those are toxic thoughts. Those are toxic thoughts because they're just self-centered. I was going to be famous. I wanted to be this. I wanted to be that. And I'm just stuck here. No, you're not stuck. No, you're not stuck. You're not stuck. You can move on. You can move forward. I feel God on this. You, you can move forward. You can move ahead. You can go from this cave. You can step into a new day, a new dimension of the Spirit of God. You can change. God has a plan for your life. I love that verse where it says, where people stood before God, it says the book of life was open, which was a book about, then it says other books were open. I always wondered about that. And it says about Jesus in the volume of the book, it's written to me. And I figured this out, that God has written your story before the foundation of the earth. And he wants to bring you into another dimension of glory. But you're going to have to hear his voice and leave the cave. It's not over. If you're still breathing, it's not over. Some of us that are a little bit older, we think sometimes, well, my best days are over. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. That's a lie. Your, your best time is not over yet. Your greatest days are yet ahead. All you got to do is leave the cave. And start moving forward. You say, I don't know what to do. Find something to do that doesn't involve sitting at home comparing yourself to other people on Facebook. Find something to do. Find some way to help. Find some way to pour out your life. It's interesting. The only time God corrected Elijah was after he told him all things to do, he goes, oh, by the way, Elijah, there are, because he said there's no one left in Israel. He said, oh, by the way, there's 7,000 people that have not bowed the knee to Baal or kissed him. <laughs> it's not near as bad. I mean, 7,000 is not that great, but it's not near as bad as you think it is. And God just said, here's what you're going to do. What about Jezebel? Forget about Jezebel. She's going to die. A eunuch is going to throw her over the wall. She's going to get herself all painted up. And all the guys are going to be intimidated by her. But a eunuch is going to grab her sorry carcass and throw her over the wall. Don't worry about Jezebel. Her days are numbered. You go ahead. You do what I called you to do. Let's all stand together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So I just want to tell you here this, this thought. Your, your thoughts have a destination. You've got to stop and think, where's the end of this? Where's, where's, this, where's this thinking going to take me? If it's not taking you to a good place, you need to stop while you can. And someone goes, well, I can't stop. Then you, you, you need help. You need help. You need to talk to somebody. The worst thing to me, the worst thing is to be alone. 
to be all isolated, all by yourself. That's the worst thing. Don't be alone ever. Not ever, but you don't understand what I'm saying in this condition. Don't say the way I'm going to handle this is I'm going to be by myself, not around anybody. That's not how you handle it. Amen. Let's all bow our heads just for a moment. Lord, we just pray now for your people. I think, Lord, that you gave me this message. So that means people that came here today, they needed to hear it. Lord, just either to be on the guard in their own life or the lives of others. I just pray, Lord, that a grace would come over us right now that would give us the ability to process pain properly. Lord, we know that it'll it will involve you, but it might involve other people also, Lord. God, give us connections with people that can help us process pain. Can I just ask you why your eyes are closed? How many of this message spoke to you? Can I just see your hand? Spoke to you? Well, that's, well, almost everybody. I'm glad. I'm, I truly am glad. Can I just pray over you? And I'm going to have prayer counselors come forward and might need some more. I don't know, but just give you the opportunity to be prayed for. Um, one thing about being prayed for, it's so important just to get to the point, you know, just don't start out when you're five years old and but just say, you know, I'm struggling with this. Let the Spirit of God heal you. But I just want you to know that you are God's child and he cares about you so much. If you knew how much God cares about you, I think the first thing that's going to happen when we get to heaven is you're going to be amazed at how much God cares about you. When he sees you, he's going to be so glad to see you. He's going to come running. <laughs> you know, Paul made this statement. He said, I don't count my life dear to myself. He didn't say, my life's not dear. Your life is precious. Your life is dear incredibly dear, incredibly important to God. And I know that some of us, I think we feel stuck, but God wants to get us unstuck. So Lord, I'm going to pray over you. But if you need additional prayer when I'm done, we're going to have the prayer counselors come. Lord, we just pr I pray right now, God, for your people. Lord, your beloved, the ones that are highly favored in your sight. I pray over them right now, Lord. Even people that are watching online, Lord, I just pray for them. I pray, Lord, that there would come such an incredible transformation, a change. Lord, I just pray that if they're in a cave of depression, Lord, I just pray right now, God, that they would hear your voice, that they would hear the voice of God, the still small voice of God, <clears throat> something would happen inside of them. Something would happen. Lord, I just pray by the Spirit, you'll do what I can't do. 
I can't do it in myself, but do it. Holy Spirit, do it. Speak, speak a word. Speak a word of life. Speak a word of life. Speak a word of life. Things won't always be this way. Greater days are ahead. Speak a word of life. Let them hear your voice. Hallelujah. I just hear the Spirit of God saying, turn loose of the past. Turn loose of the pain. Walk into a brand new day. Turn loose. If you will let it go, saith God, I'll work a measure of my presence inside of you that you never believe. There will be a healing. There will be a restoration. Let it go. Let it go. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I just feel the compassion of God coming into this place. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your healing, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power. Thank you, Lord, for healing, bending, mending broken hearts, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your healing power, Lord. Restore. You are the restorer, Lord. You are the restorer. You are the restorer, Lord. You are the restorer. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? I don't usually cry in church, but I've been saying that a lot. I don't usually cry, but I've been doing a lot of crying lately. I don't know. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. You know, there's a verse. Lamentations is like Jeremiah's depressed book. Jeremiah, or Lamentations 3.17 says, I am deprived of peace. He talks about his condition. He says, I have forgotten what happiness is. So I said, my endurance has expired. I have lost all hope of deliverance from the Lord. I remember my impoverished and hopeless condition, which is, a bitter, is bitter poison. I continue to think about this and I am depressed. But then he says this, listen to this. But this I call to mind. Therefore, I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. <laughs> His mercies, His mercies, they never come to an end. They are new every morning. New every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. My God. If you knew what, Je what Jeremiah was looking at, you'd say, where did he come up with that? He goes, I call to mind this one thing and then I have hope. I think about him. And I realize that his love, his steadfast love never changes. His mercies are new every morning. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. Hallelujah. He goes, when I think about all my other stuff, 
He says, when I think about all my, what's going on all around me, he goes, I'm depressed. But then he goes, I call to mind this one thing, I have hope, steadfast love of the Lord. When I was a kid, well, when I first got saved, that's a song, did you know that? Can, you, can we sing it? Do you know it? Okay, all right. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Isn't that powerful? They are new every morning. New. powerful amen praise God well how many glad you came to church this morning well I always think it's a good day in church when you cry in church amen if you can cry in church that's a good day amen I want to invite the prayer counselors forward if you need prayer this morning we just want to encourage you to please come and be prayed for especially if you're struggling with feelings of depression I'm not saying that this is the only thing you should do. It certainly is a step. But I admonish you with all my heart, if you are struggling, do not be isolated. You're going to end up in a cave somewhere. Amen? You don't want to end up there. It's a good day. Next Sunday, we're going to be back here. It's going to be 50 degrees. You guys thought I forgot about that, but I didn't. Amen. God bless you, everybody. You're free to go. If you need prayer, please come forward. God bless you. And don't forget Thursday night, it's worship night, not women's, but worship night, Thursday night, 630. God bless you all.